Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. I love that's a family service. Uh, I was a youth pastor for like 20 years of my life. I've made four kids myself. So I know that <laughs> the gospel is, you can understand it as a little baby. It's simple. It's simple. And it's also complex to be a learner of the word for the rest of our lives because the gospel is good news. And I say this before and I'll say it probably a hundred times again. And the gospel is good news for everybody. It's not potentially good news for when you clean your life up and when you get it straight and you act, you act correct and, you, and then you, you think right or you arrive in your doing or your behaving Jesus came to a messy place, as we're going to learn today. We're going to take another lap through the, the Christmas story out of Luke. He's born in a manger. And if you're here last week, the title was The Innkeeper's Dilemma. And today, if you look on your notes, the uh, title is A Manger Dilemma. You're welcome. You're welcome. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for, for loving us. Thank you so much for you initializing hospitality. You came from heaven, perfect peace and relationships. You came to earth humbly as a servant and you came into the messiness because you knew that one day you would end all the sin and shame and guilt and embarrassment on the cross. And as we worship your birth this Christmas, we know that the entire Bible points to your death on the cross. You came to die for us so we could experience full life, freedom, and enjoy eternal life now. We love you, Lord. Pray for the rest of the sermon. The Holy Spirit would penetrate our hearts. Your Holy Spirit would encourage us. And your Holy Spirit would um, illuminate our hearts to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's common at Christmas time around this season, and if you go to any like Christmas light show, you see, we know Jesus was born in, in a manger, right? That's where Mary, the Virgin Mary, laid her baby in this manger. It could have been, we can look, a barn, a dirty place, an animal feeding trough. And as we look, Jesus was always around food. He was born in a food trough. He's food for the world, right? We know it was someplace near Bethlehem, and we know that God promised the Savior's uh, our virgin birth, and immediately, right after mankind fell throughout the whole Bible, in the beginning of the Bible, this is in Genesis 3.15, the very first book of the Bible, throw it up here on the screen, is the very first messianic prophecy. If you're a Bible student, this is called the Proto-Evangelium, or first gospel, Genesis 3.15, it says this, and I will put enmity, or I will put war, I'll put strife between you and the woman, this is Jesus, God talking to Satan, between you and the woman and between your offspring, so Satan's offspring, Satan's power, his dominion, the, the, the demons, and hers, Eve's offspring would be Jesus, Jesus comes from a woman, right, human, human seed. And he, Jesus, he will crush your head. Say, crush your head. Satan will crush your head. 
Final judgment, no power. When your head is crushed, you're done. But in the process of Jesus crushing Satan's head, it says, and you will strike his heel or you will bruise his heel. A heel bruise is a temporary wound that Jesus suffered on the cross. Temporary three days on the cross. So from the very beginning, from the book of Genesis, God's plan A for the world was already seen. And these are messianic biblical prophecies. Jesus came and fulfilled over 300 prophecies, all fulfilled at his birth and on the cross and in his life. And then we see hundreds of years later, or 700 years before Jesus' birth, we talked about this in the book of uh, was it? And Micah, Micah says this, it says that, but you, Bethlehem, can't say that word, just Bethlehem for us locals, okay, Bethlehem was like an unknown place on a planet, and then Micah says, but you, Bethlehem, right, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And who's he talking about? Jesus, right? So that prophecy was fulfilled when Joseph and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem for the census because Joseph was of the house of David. And it says in Luke, as we read, in that time, uh, a census went out. So Luke, it was a physician who was a historian because gives testimony to this was a real event in history. Quirinius and Caesar Augustus, real accurate historical figure. You can look this up. This is not like Harry Potter. This is not like a fake story. This is a real accurate account. So Mary and Joseph then had to come to Bethlehem for the census. And as Trish explained a couple weeks ago, God had perfect timing. It was no accident. All of these circumstances led to fulfill the prophecies of Mary and Joseph coming into Bethlehem while she was nine months pregnant, orchestrating just God's perfect time. And as you guys have heard, we talked about this, there was what? No room in the inn. And we think... We, we hear the story as kids sometimes, there's no room in the inn. And we think of like a, a hotel, right? Or a holiday inn where they're coming and maybe you saw like the VeggieTales version or the cartoon version of like no vacancy in the inn. But what is probably more accurate, if you look at the, this is the Greek word for inn is, I can't say it again, kataluma. Kataluma, which means like a house. Probably... Joseph came into his fam hometown and had to go stay at a relative's home. And there was no room in a home of his own family. Why? Well, because Joseph showed up with unmarried and a pregnant girl. That was disgraceful at that time in that culture. It was shameful. And they were immediately on the outcast. And they could not stay in the family's home, but had to stay in one of the lower levels with the dirty, unclean animals in the filth and mess and stinkiness of a barn or a cave or a manger with the animals. So from the very beginning, 
Jesus was born as an outcast in the messy and the filth and on the margins. You know why? (laughs) Because he knew that one day he would put an end to all of the messiness and sin and shame. Amen? On the cross. And our Savior, King of Kings, right? Alpha, the Omega, maker of heaven and earth, deserves a pampered palace birth. You'd think. You'd think that's what Jesus deserves. But he came as a a humble king. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, Yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. This is not talking about financially rich. This is rich in forgiveness and rich in the fruits of the Spirit, rich to experience full life, eternal life, to know that peace of God surpasses all understanding. He's wonderful counselor, right? Mighty God. And I love that word, Prince of Peace. That was like what the Lord's been speaking to me this month. Personally, in my devos, like just peace, peace. Be a peacemaker on my street, in my neighborhood. When I'm coaching soccer, I mean, it's peace. Because we know King Jesus is approachable, he's accessible, and he's available. No palace gates bar the way to him. No royal guards prevent our approach. The king of kings came humbly, and his first bed in his kingdom was a manger. And that's beautiful. So it makes you think of all the newborn moms here. If we ever did like a you know, live nativity scene, and all the moms would be vying for like, can my baby be baby Jesus? Well, if we're biblically accurate, you might want to think about, right? Like, don't put my baby in that, right? So that's why we're not doing a live nativity scene. That's why. That's the only reason why. Just kidding. Okay, kids, where are the kids at? Okay, good, good. I got a story for you guys. When I was your age, <laughs> right, your age, um, my grandfather would pull out this nativity scene, or like a manger scene. And this is not a picture of, my, of the real one, but it's kind of like, it looked a little bit like this. And my grandfather lived by the beach. He was pretty um, artistic, and he loved, like, just doing stuff with us kids. So what he would do, he would go down to the beach and grab a bunch of driftwood, and he would kind of re-architect this um, manger out of driftwood, and then he would get dried seaweed, like seaweed and moss. And if you've ever smelled dried seaweed, you know it stinks, Right? It's kind of like our guys, it smells like kind of like our wetsuit, right? A little bit of pee and seaweed, and it's kind of nasty. <laughs> Just saying. I know it's gross, kids. It's gross. This is for the kids. Keep it PG. So it was, got our imagination because like, ew, it stinks, Grandpa. He, he got our imagination going. But yes, Jesus came, and it was stinky and smelly. And he wanted this manger scene to feel like super alive and realistic as it was. And then I, I was the oldest of 18 grandkids, I got to paint (laughs) and touch up the three wise men. I liked the wise men. They were cool. They had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and I would would paint the wise men. And this is not the real picture of the wise men, but they kind of look kind of like this, right? 
So I, I'd paint them, and just, it was all sloppy. And then my little sister, she wanted to, of course, paint who? Mary and Joseph. So my sister, I don't know how old she was at the time, but over the years, she kept painting Mary and Joseph and retouching up the faces. And I was like, this must be the most goofiest Mary ever on a manger scene. But my grandfather didn't care. He just loved that we were involved in this family tradition of, of, of being involved in this manger scene. And then he would also paint, who else we painted up, up here? Oh, there is Mary and Joseph. You got to, that's all right, Caesar. That is a professional Mary and Joseph. But what happened was, my grandfather never brought out baby Jesus for us to paint. Why? We're like, can we paint Jesus? Right? Every kid, I want to paint Jesus. What do we paint him? What, what, we paint him gold. Like, he would always bring out Jesus on Christmas morning. As we go over to his house, we would then see Jesus. So what my cousins and I did, this might be something for you kids to think about. You know what we did with that little empty manger? We would go find our own Jesus to put in there. You know what I like finding? I'll go steal my grandfather's almond roca. You know, that's like the Christmas candy. That toffee with ch- This is a candy for adults, not for kids. That stuff's expensive. Comes in a can. It's like wrapped in gold. That's a perfect looking Jesus. And they put the almond roca in there. And then what happened? You go by and then what happened? It's gone. Someone would steal baby Jesus. <laughs> And then I would be, you know what I'm going to do? I was like, in the 80s, I would go get my stormtrooper. Stormtrooper was the coolest thing I knew. Because I knew Jesus was cool, and I wanted my Jesus to be cool, so I put a stormtrooper in that manger. And then I would get out, then I want to play my stormtrooper, and so then I would go grab my stormtrooper storm because I was like, oh, well, Jesus is not that cool, right? I'm, Jesus is cool? Maybe he's not that, that cool. And I will grab stormtrooper Jesus. My mom thought that was like sacrilegious because stormtroopers are of the bad force, right? All that stormtroopers are cool. They're like, they're like, whatever. They're sort of this neutral. They're just cool, man. <laughs> then my cousin, she would grab a doggy biscuit, a little doggy treat. And I'm like, this is, you know where this is going. The dog ate Jesus. <laughs> then my grandpa, because he was smart, he'd always get a $20 bill and put it in there to tempt us. Like, who's going to steal Jesus? 20 bucks is a lot for a little kid, right? Back in those days, like $100 now. And it was steal. And the lesson he was telling us was like, you know what? Nothing, no matter what we put in the manger, could what? Replace Jesus. Nothing fit. Nothing we replaced Jesus with in the manger seemed to satisfy or fit. And I think this is a huge lesson, not only for kids, but for us as adults, that this little manger represents our heart, right? And many of us try to put our salvation in, in coolness. <laughs> and if our, if our salvation is in identity or our status or keeping a status, we immediately don't hang out with the rest because we hang out with just stormtroopers. Or we put things in there that doesn't last. Or we find salvation in finances. And the Bible talks about don't store your treasures up right where moth and rust and thieves can destroy, but store your treasure up in heaven, eternal, eternal. There is a piece of our heart that longs for something 
And many of people go their whole life searching and searching and searching to replace what only Jesus could replace because he made you. He created you. And from before the beginning of time, Jesus and God, he had you in mind. Before your grandparents, right? Before we read the Bible characters, Jesus already had you in mind. And he had this plan for you in mind. And maybe you struggle. Maybe you're trying to find salvation in something. Or maybe you're trying to find salvation in just religion. Rules and self-righteousness and climbing this ladder to maintain and measure and reach and arrive. It's not going to work. This is what Jesus says. I'm almost done. Jesus said, answered, I am the way, right, the truth the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says this, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus always satisfies and always delivers. I'm going to have the worship team come on up here. It's going to be short because we want to eat, right? So how do I know this? How do I know this? Not because my grandfather taught me this. But because I've, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I have Jesus in my heart. And I've tried a lot of those other things, right? As a kid, coolness was a big deal. Candy, money, all these things. Whatever it was, I tried to fill that in my heart and it never really, really, it didn't fit. And maybe you feel the same way, like I'm trying these different things and it's not fitting because there's only one place in your heart, that hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. So maybe you're here today and never heard this or maybe you've thought about going to Christmas services of like, if I just go to be, be religious. No, Jesus didn't come so that you could be more moral in your life and do better things and be, no, Jesus came to the messy people. He started off in the mess, an outcast. And maybe you feel like that, like I've been outcast or I've been labeled or I've been pushed to the sides or my family, um, I, I can't show up to my house. And they, that, maybe that's you. Maybe you screwed up, right? We're not trying to have you have a better behavior modification either, parents, right? We're going to love our kids. We're going to love each other, being messy, meeting people where you're at, not where we think you should be at. Jesus loves you. This Christmas, we pray that you would find, you would make room, like the innkeeper, make room in your house. That major dilemma. Your heart. That we would ask that you would receive Jesus, his free gift of eternal life, his free gift of salvation. His free gift of forgiveness in your heart. It's free today. You just ask him into your heart. <laughs> he loves you. There's a whole bunch of people around here that want to help you know Jesus more and fall in love with Jesus. The Bible says that if you, Jesus, if you love me, then you will obey me. So loving Jesus is first. You have to spend time with Jesus. We want to help you spend time with Jesus. 
so that we could be like Jesus, so that we can do the things that Jesus did. He loved people where they're at. Amen? So as we pray and as I bring up our, our prayer team, you guys could, the prayer team could be up here. If you want to receive Jesus in your heart, come down for, for prayer. Prayer team will pray over you. If you just want to pray that you would slow your life down more as we learn about what Jesus did, he slowed down and he rested. We're taking two weeks off so we can rest and be with Jesus and practice what he did. And as I pray, I'll ask everybody to just bow their heads and close their eyes and just take a little moment to, to think about your heart. What is on the throne of your heart? Maybe some of us has asked for forgiveness. Say, the Lord, forgive me for having myself on my throne, which is ultimately saying, I want to be God. I know what's best for my life, and you don't. Forgive me. I repent. Repent means change your mind, change the way you think about Jesus. And that we would believe in our heart that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords and believe that our sin is wrong and our sin deserves death and accept that Jesus' life on the cross, his death on the cross is a payment for our sins so we could experience eternal life and forgiveness and freedom, freedom from so many things. We can walk in full life. And we pray this over. That's the best Christmas gift it's the best gift we could ever receive and we can come through us, we can have it and we can share with other people. When we were filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm reminded of Chad who said, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I was walking to 7-Eleven I gave a homeless guy a dollar and I said, I love you, man. He's like, where'd that come from? I don't know. And that was hilarious. That's the Holy Spirit working in his life. <laughs> we love you, Jesus. You do some amazing things, mysterious things and we love you, we praise you on this Christmas. And as we stand and pray and we, we, we just love you. Amen. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha. Aloha.